Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We are moving slowly through one of the most dense sections of practical application for the Christian life in the entire New Testament. I want to give some context for the text we'll be looking at today by reading beginning in verse 19 down through verse, excuse me, verse 17 down through verse 19. Paul writes, Ephesians 5, 17, So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. I have witnessed a cascade of significant changes in the way we engage with music in my own lifetime. My first memory of music was my parents' massive RCA console. It had TV in the middle, and on each side I had speakers, and behind one of the speakers was a drop-down turntable, and I was introduced to records or vinyl records. In those days, this was the early 60s, my folks had vinyl albums recorded at 33 RPMs, 45 RPMs, and does anyone remember? 78. Nobody who's 18 said that. 78 RPMs as well. And you could adjust the the dial to, to the speed at which the record was recorded. Then I discovered the radio. Multiple stations playing songs 24 hours a day. But here's the challenge. If you had a favorite song, and I had many, and you didn't have the record, and I didn't have the money to have many, you had to listen hours upon end to the radio to find the song that you really wanted to hear. I remember a friend of mine and I, in elementary school, there was a song we liked, and it would come on, and we would get on our rotary dial and call each other up, it's on, WGOW, right now. (laughs) Then came portable music. First, in the form of eight-track cassette tapes. It's so funny to say that and watch some of you smile who remember the eight-track cassettes. Uh, These were uh, large cassettes that that you put in a player, and sometimes the song would extend across um, uh, the track, and there would be a a kind of a skip right in the middle of the song. There are still songs that I hear, and I can hear that where it's going to skip in the track. That didn't last very long, and then came cassettes, about a quarter of the size of eight-tracks, and Those are amazing ways to take music with you, especially in a car. But if you really wanted to access a song you wanted to hear, you had to fast forward or rewind. Then there was a quantum leap in the 80s with the coming of digital recordings. These were first mass-produced on CDs or compact discs with CD players when we were moving out from Los Angeles to California Los Angeles, California to Kansas back in 2011, uh, my my youngest son saw a box of old LPs that I had, and he said, Dad, these are the biggest CDs I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Those are not CDs. They're analog. They sound better, but that's for another time. 
The advent of digital recordings changed the entire music industry. Now we can store massive amounts of music in small compressed files to be carried around with MP3 players and even stored on smartphones, iPods, and the like. In recent years, we've seen yet another quantum leap in the collection of and the enjoyment of music, and that is with streaming music. What that means is that the, these MP3 files, these, these digital songs are stored in, a, in another place and they can be streamed through the internet to your device, typically your phone, without any storage. Literally, we now have instant access to almost any recorded music from around the world at our fingertips. Music is at our convenience and we can listen to it on our earbuds or headphones with an incredible individual experience. Not long ago, I was at an electronics store. And uh, for some of you who, who may not know, I'm completely deaf in my right ear from a disease I had a long time ago. And so I've lost all hearing in my right ear. And this, uh, this really nice young man wanted me to listen to these incredible headphones, these stereo headphones. And I said, oh, no, no. And he persisted. And I thought, hey, this is his job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help, help a brother. And so I, I put these things on. And he goes, do you hear the split? Hear how the sounds come from both? And I said, no, I don't. And he put them on his head. And he said, oh, I hear it. He put them back on my, do you hear it? No, I don't. And he said, well, I, these, he was trying to talk me into buying these expensive headphones. And at the end, I said, listen, dude, I don't know why I call him dude, but I think I said dude. I said, I, I'm deaf in my, my right ear, so I only, need, I only need half of it. I only need one earphone. And so can you cut me a deal on half price? So that didn't work out so well. It is interesting, though, how... The advent of music has driven most people into an individual experience with music more than ever. Those earbuds, those headphones are designed not so much for sharing, but for individual enjoyment. Nothing's certainly wrong with that, but it does strike a chord, as it were, with the direction of music enjoyment. Consequently, the notion of singing together with other people in our day is rare. Sure, we might sing, take me out to the ball game at the seventh inning stretch at a professional ball game or, or even the national anthem at a sporting event, but singing with others is not a very common thing in our day. Truth is that music is very much a part of our world, but singing with others is not. Yet music and, and singing alongside others is an integral part of Protestant church service. In fact, it's an integral command of, uh, of biblical faithfulness to God. For a person unfamiliar with our church or a person unfamiliar with the Christian faith, if they were to walk in and sit down with no context, it might seem strange that Aaron directs us a couple of times during the service, let's all stand up and sing out loud together. We take it for granted, but imagine you've never done that before. It's just not something that happens a lot in culture, at least our culture. So the question that we need to start with is, have you thought much? Have you given much 
theological thought to singing? Do you have a theology of singing? Well, for a believer, music is not only something we hear, but music is something we do. Believers are commanded to sing. They're commanded by God to do so. Psalm 96, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless His name. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. We read it earlier, Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and His praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Twice in the New Testament, we're explicitly commanded as Christians to sing. Once in the, in the text that we're referencing today, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. The parallel text in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. Shouldn't surprise you. Music is a gift from God. Even God sings. Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult or rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with, the New American Standard says, shouts of joy, literally, he will rejoice over you with singing. Psalm 32, we know this well. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You, you surround me with songs of deliverance. Who's singing that song? God is. The Bible contains over 400 references to singing and 50 direct commands to sing. 50. The longest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. Guess what? It's a book of songs. The scriptures, the Bible that you hold is a very musical book. The scene in heaven that John sees in Revelation chapter 5 is an amazing scene. And it says that around the throne, get this, Angels and saints, angels and Christians join together in the song of redemption to worship the Lamb who is slain, singing, worthy, worthy are you to Jesus. What a glorious time that was, but flip the script. Paul and Silas have been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel they don't know what's to become of them. They're in a very miserable situation. Acts 16, verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and what? Singing hymns of praise to God. I love this. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. They were chained together, chained probably to the wall. 
singing praise and hymns to God. Still, there are many in the church who have decided or who decide week in and week out not to sing or not to sing wholeheartedly. Here's some common excuses for not singing. Oh, you don't understand. I can't sing. What's the threshold for that? Or how about this? I don't like to sing. I'm embarrassed to sing. I can't read music. Nope, can't do it. I don't know how to sing. Or how about this one? This music is not my style. It's too fast. It's too slow. It's too old. It's too new. Too many drums. Not enough drums. Too traditional. Too contemporary. Or how about this? I just don't like this song. I don't like this style. It's not my style. What motivates you to sing as a believer? Maybe another question. What motivates you to refrain from song? When you look at singing in the Bible, it's both descriptive and prescriptive. By descriptive, there's all of these scenes where people are singing, and we can see why they sing and for what they sung and also the content of their songs. But then there's prescriptions or commands to sing. When you put all of that together, you have an amazing theology of singing for the Christian. All of that theology, I think, can be summarized so simply and so well in Ephesians 5, 19. One verse. In the text before us, we're going to discover a prescription to sing, a, common, a, a command, rather, and a responsibility. So we're going to dissect this together and look at five factors for calibrating the responsibility of Christian singing. I know it's kind of long, but I couldn't make it any shorter. Five factors, things to consider, for calibrating, putting it in right rhythm, the responsibility of Christian singing. The first is actually not in the verse we're looking for. It's in the previous verse, in verse 18. Christian singing results from walking with the Spirit. Christian singing results from walking with the Spirit. Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. In other words, don't be controlled with alcohol don't be influenced by alcohol because that's dissipation, which is a big word for a lack of control. On the flip side, but be self-controlled by this way. Be filled with the Spirit. We talked about that command. It's an interesting command. It has an active participation and a passive participation. You do something. You be filled. You have something done to you. You be influenced by the Spirit of God, which we lined up with Colossians 3.16, which means to be controlled by the Word of God, the influence of God, the, the, the communication of God. Be filled with the Spirit. The first reflex, the first result, the first response, the first result of being filled with the Spirit is verse 19. Singing. Singing as a result of being influenced, of being filled by the Spirit of God. But let's be clear. Our singing doesn't cause God's Spirit to work in us. Our Spirit comes from God working within us. 
And we'll come back to that notion in just a minute. Christians don't sing so that God will work in us, so that God will move us. We sing because God has worked in us. We sing because God is moving in us and influencing us. The gospel moves the heart to sing. Singing is the result of this work of God in our lives. Paul is saying, just as dissipation or a lack of self-control results from drunkenness, so speaking spiritual songs or speaking musically to each other comes from the Spirit. Let me say it as clearly as Paul does. If you are walking with God in pursuit of spiritual maturity, it's a big if, if you are walking with God in pursuit of spiritual maturity, you sing Christian songs with Christian truth and Christian passion. Christians sing. Christians sing. Why? Because they're walking with the Spirit. It's a result. It's a consequence. It's a reflex. And that builds on everything we've said from walking with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, with now this incredible admonition in verse 19. Let's dive into that. Number two, Christian singing communicates to other believers. Second factor in calibrating the responsibility of a Christian singing, Christian singing communicates to other believers. Verse 19, speaking to one another. Now, you can't just stop right there without saying there's a certain language. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We'll come to that in a moment. But notice that the language of this speaking is psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's singing. And if you're not convinced of that, then the participle says so. Singing right after that. There's an old adage about worship. It's well-intended, but it's not biblically accurate. You may have heard it. We worship with an audience of one. Well, that sounds really noble, doesn't it? That it only matters what God thinks. Well, we do have God as an audience. That's at the end of the verse, by the way. But this says speaking to one another in singing. Speaking to one another in singing. Paul instructs us here that we are an audience to and of each other. When we sing in our gatherings, we should hear each other. It matters that we hear each other. Now, let me be careful. This is not a performance. It's an encouragement. Singing is a, is a language. Singing is a, is a kind of conversation. It's a special language that believers share with each other when they gather so verse 19 says, speaking to one another, if you have to be together to do that, so it's obviously talking about a gathering. This means that the content of our songs is a communication, it's a language to one another, to each other. You could actually translate that as a data for you Greek nerds, among yourselves. Speaking among yourselves, not just to each other, but among yourselves. Now, Paul has already directed our heart multiple times in Ephesians about the tongue and about speaking. We are to speak the truth in love in 4.15. We are to speak to one another. We are also told to build up one another with theological truth contrasted with false teaching and empty words. We are to speak the truth rather than the lies to one another and build each other up in Ephesians 4.25 and 28. We are to speak to one another in this way, and it's central to our encouragement with each other. 
Christian communication is what keeps Christians communicating, right? You have to do it. But there's multiple ways to do it. There's speaking and there's singing. Okay. Let me offer a paltry illustration. Don't roll your eyes. Just work with me till the end on this, okay? If you are fortunate enough to find yourself to be at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the campus of the University of Tennessee, on a Saturday afternoon at a football game, you would experience a pronounced and demonstrable phenomenon. I have done it many times. I have lost my voice doing it many times. If the home team scores a touchdown, you will hear nearly 100,000 voices singing at the same time at the top of their lungs, Rocky Top. It's incredible. (laughs) Even further, I've been in that stadium when a touchdown was scored and you turn to strangers and you hug and you high-five, and you high-five three rows back behind you and three rows down below you, and, and, and then you sing Rocky Top and you put your arms around each other. It's an amazing thing. It's wonderful. Say, so what's the point? The common allegiance that those fans have, their excitement about what the team did generates a common bond They sing together. They high-five each other. Their motive is this common allegiance to and appreciation for their beloved football team. That's a football team. We have a common allegiance and a common bond to the king of the universe who sent his only begotten son to die for the sins of those who believe, we have something to sing about. So when we speak to one another in these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, it's literally like a spiritual high five. You're you're enjoying the truth that's happening before you with each other. Just as everyone at Coffin Stadium stands up and cheers when the Royals hit a home run and you're high-fiving people you don't know. You don't know their political background. You don't know their family background. But you have a common bond that weds you together in the moment of that passion. We sing to each other is like that high-five spiritually. We're saying, what a God, together. In fact, that would be okay in the middle of a song to look at someone and say, what a God, What a savior. But this requires a discerning ear that hears the heart more than the pitch. Some people truly do make a joyful noise to the Lord. But if it's out of a sincere heart, praise God for that. I, uh, there there was an elder at the church where I served before I came to Mission Road, who, as you know, we typically sit in kind of the same seats, general area most weeks, and he almost always sat behind me. 
And this brother was bad in singing. I mean, there's just, I wish, I was, I was trying to think of how can I describe this to you? It was bad um, pitch-wise. I mean, he, you know how some people are monotone? He didn't even have one tone. I mean, it was, it was like Chinese in-between tones. And, and, and it, was, it, 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 was, it was rough. It was rough. But it didn't deter him. It didn't stop him. It didn't prevent him at all from singing with a full heart, full-throated to the Lord. And I remember sometimes just smiling and laughing, having been so blessed by his worship. Like, praise God for that. He didn't care. I was, in fact, I thought many times, dude, if I sang like that, I would probably whisper. Not him. Not him. I had to literally train my ear, singular, train my ear to listen and remember that his heart was involved and to not pay attention to the pitch. Now, for some of you who have pitch problems, you probably ought to be aware that, you know, you could probably dial the volume back a little bit and have a full heart and a softer voice and help the people who are trying to find the pitch that you are not finding. But that's deferring to one another. You're communicating to other believers Drum roll, if you don't sing, you are also communicating to the believers around you. You say, what am I communicating? Real simple, that you don't care. You say, oh, you don't know my heart. We're going to get to your heart later in this verse. <laughs> Making melody with your heart to the Lord. Christian singing communicates to other believers. You have a ministry to the people around you when you sing. Not to show off, but to, it's like the high five at the football game. We're all enjoying this. It's like singing Rocky Top at a, at, a, at a touchdown. We're all pulling for the same allegiant passion in our heart to the Lord. Number three, Christian singing resonates with variety. It resonates with variety. Speaking to whether how was this language? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs singing. They're, they're, there's the medium for how you're speaking, singing. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So much discussion surrounded these words uh, in the commentaries. And, and I got to admit, I, I read way too much on these three words this week. And at the end of, of all that study, the most prolific Greek minds basically said they're basically synonyms with subtle nuances. Psalms could be from what we know as the book of Psalms. It's also a word that means songs with stringed instruments. Hymns could denote worship directed to God specifically, all directed to Him. There are several written hymns in the New Testament that would reflect those kind of songs. Spiritual songs were more like spontaneous mutual encouragements. But the truth is, they're all synonymous in what they do, but not synonymous in how they sound. Or he would have just said music. More significant than any differences between these three words are what they accomplish. 
singing in the heart. It's variety. Let me just, for a moment, gush for a minute about my, my brother and my friend, Aaron. The variety of music that we enjoy in this church is, is incredible. We have had, literally from this stage, in the last few months, we've had four-part harmony, kind of barbershop quartet, hymns, wonderful. We've had piano only. We've had guitar only. We've had all strings like we did this morning. We've had full orchestra. We had a full choir. We had one singer, two singer, three singer, five singers, full stage. We've had jazz. We've had bluegrass. I, I want to thank Aaron for that and also thank you that by God's kind grace, we haven't been shackled to any one style. You know what that does? Every single week, someone is singing the songs and the style they prefer. And every single week, someone is not singing the ones they prefer, and that's called deferring. But style doesn't drive it. Variety doesn't drive it. It's the content that drives it. Love this variety. Psalm 150. By the way, Psalm 150 is loud. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise God for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a variety of instrumentation. It's a variety of style, variety of melody. All of that is a part of the Christian expression of worship. I was thinking about this with reference to one of my favorite hymns, It Is Well. I sang It Is Well uh, recently at, at a memorial, at a funeral, and it was sung in almost hushed tones with such gravity and reverence. We were all broken over this death. And we sang almost as a lament. We sang it as well just a few weeks ago in this worship center. And it was deafening with the volume. All of us must learn to defer from time to time to styles that are not our preference. And the way to do that is we focus on the content of what's being said. Christian singing resonates with variety. And it should. Because our God is the creative God who gave us such variety. Number four. Christian singing generates from the heart. From the heart. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with or from your heart. I'm afraid that we've unwittingly assumed a wrong foundational premise in the church about singing and music. This wrong idea is this that we sing in order to condition and prepare our hearts for worship. 
In other words, singing is more of a means to an end rather than an end in itself. Singing well and singing worshipfully is the result of a prepared heart. It's not the way to wind up your heart for worship. Now, I know what you're thinking. Look, sometimes my heart gets wound up for worship. And so that's, a, that's, that's a wonderful thing. But we shouldn't come to, to the worship service with our hearts on empty. Our worship and ministry through music and singing comes out of our hearts. It does not begin outside of us and then move into our hearts. Though it can. You ever had a Sunday morning that you came and rough morning, rough week, and you're just empty? And a song comes up on the PowerPoint, you begin singing, and it's flooded with truth. That's a wonderful reality. But that should be the outlier and the exception. Not wrong, but it should be the outlier. What should happen is we come and we sing with or from our hearts that are well prepared. That's why, silly as it sounds, Sunday morning begins Saturday night. You don't get it ready for worship in the parking lot or in the pew. You get ready before you come. If you're only singing with your lips, you're not doing Christian singing. If you're faking it. Matthew 15, verse 7, you hypocrites, Jesus said, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, speaking of the Pharisees, this people honors me with their lips, insert singing, but their heart is far away from me. They do worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Jesus understood that there was a kind of speaking, even singing, that could come from your lips, but not be attached to your heart. Half-hearted singing reveals half-hearted worship. So worship and song comes out of the heart and is encouraged by others in corporate singing. There should be a momentum that's built with corporate singing where we're encouraging one another and it gets better as we go along. I really believe there is a worship crescendo that happens in a service that as we feed off one another's worship, the spiritual high-fiving through singing happens before the throne. So when we gather to worship corporately, let's not sing to warm up our hearts. Let's sing to express hearts that are already prepared for worship. Number five, so simple, the shortest of all, Christian singing communes with God. <laughs> Look at that last phrase, to the Lord. It's in, in, important to see that there are two audiences here. Speaking to one another is the beginning of the verse. Speaking to the Lord is the end of the verse. In just a couple weeks, Aaron's going to pick up on some of this and add some, some color for, for us in how to apply this specifically at our church. But I've been blessed by hearing him say those are two of the audiences, but there's also an audience that could be an unbeliever who could listen, and also your own heart is an audience. But this is the audience to the Lord. We're singing, making melody with our hearts to the Lord. He is the significant audience. When we gather individually as well, we are singing to the Lord. 
got to remember, he hears our voice. He sees our heart. He knows our burdens. He meets us in our worship through music in a unique way. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So God himself is to be the object of our singing. What he's done and what he wants to hear. I don't know if you've noticed, but almost all of our songs talk about truth we appreciate and love or their direct prayer singing to God. Sometimes in the same song, those are wed together, chorus to, to verse. Are you, <laughs> are you aware that God's ear is listening to your singing? So how do we learn to speak the language of song? Well, just practically, let me give you three quick words, three concentrations. Content, sincerity, purpose. That's it. Three concentrations. Content, sincerity, and purpose. Content. Think about what you're singing, the words. What am I singing about? To whom am I singing? Sometimes we do sing to each other. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our We're encouraging other people to do that. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. That's a big request. Do you mean it? Are you willing for God to answer that prayer? Not be, it's hard to diagram, but not be all else to me, save that thou art. Don't be anything to me except what you are. Communicate to me who you are, Lord. Content, it matters. Sincerity. Do I mean what I'm singing? Do I really mean it? And purpose. Do I understand the implications of my voice and my heart for the Lord and for others? Do I sing with purpose? Am I aware that it is a ministry? Every Christian is a singer. And any believer who does not sing is disobedient. John MacArthur has written this. The spirit-filled life produces music. Whether he has a good voice or cannot carry a tune, the spirit-filled Christian is a singing Christian. Nothing, that's a big word, nothing is more indicative of a fulfilled life, a contented soul, and a happy heart than the expression of song. I love the way our church sings. I would just say excel still more. Let's make, for the Lord's glory, let's make one of the signatures of Mission Road Bible Church, those people sing, <laughs> and they sing from the heart. I'm going to ask Aaron and the worship team to come up. We're going to sing a couple songs. There's no way you can have this text and not sing, right? So let me pray. Father, thank you for the gift of music and the gift of song, melody, and harmony. 
rhythm and meter, volume and instrumentation, variety upon variety. Give us the empowerment and the grace we need to utilize these gifts to give you glory and to minister grace to the saints around us. In Jesus' name, amen.